Welcome everyone. I'm delighted to be joined by Sigrid Altorf, uh, who's going to be speaking around uh, the topic of pitch sizes today. Um, Sigrid currently works at uh, Liverpool John Moores University, where she's heading up some research around pitch sizes, um, which is a really interesting topic and follows on uh, nicely from the conversations we've had with Rick Fenolio around small-sided games. So welcome Sigrid to the, the podcast. Hi Ross, uh, thank you for your invite today. Um, happy to be here. Fantastic. So Sigrid, um, before we begin, really, I, th- I think it'd be really cool to just do a bit of an introduction into yourself and maybe you can share a little bit of light around your background and your experiences before we delve into the into the topic. Sure, very good. Um, so uh, I'm from the Netherlands originally. Uh, that's where I did my, uh, my undergrad and my postgraduate studies in uh, human movement science. And I specialized into uh, sports science. And uh, during my master's degree in uh, Groningen, I uh, developed an interest for, uh, for small-sided games. That was my, my master's thesis was, uh, was on that topic. And um, after my master's, I, uh, I continued working with my supervisors in Groningen and worked on a PhD project around small-sided games. And part of that uh, PhD project, um, there was a collaboration with the Dutch FA, um, FC Groningen Academy, and the academies of uh, PSV and uh, Vitesse. And um, we collected a lot of nice data during my PhD study, and um, we produced some nice results uh, around the topic of small-sided games and how it's related to, uh, to the official match. And after uh, I finished my PhD, I moved to the United States, and I worked for the University of Michigan, and predominantly with, uh, with their sports teams. Um, well, recently, uh, their, their football team, their American football team, uh, they, they won a big championship uh, in, in college football. I worked with that team, but also with, with basketball, ice hockey, um, field hockey, lacrosse, and uh, in their words, uh, soccer. I supported them with, uh, with all the data that they collected from, uh, from, uh, from the players on the pitch. Uh, so worked mainly with uh, player tracking technology, uh, GPS, heart rate data, and uh, supported the coaches, strength conditioning coaches, athletic trainers, and everyone uh, involved with the teams with uh, um, training programs, match analysis, return to play protocols. So everything in support of, uh, of uh, the, like the performance of players on the pitch. And um, yeah, uh, it's already two, uh, a year and a half now that I'm in, uh, that I'm in Liverpool, uh, working as a lecturer in performance analysis and analytics for uh, the School of Sport and Exercise Science, mainly working on the science of football program, but also in the sports coaching programs. Amazing. That's fantastic. And so you've got such an awesome background of different experiences, not just in football, but also in, in different sports. I'm intrigued by your own background. You know, did you play in sport or in football yourself? Like what, what's made you go into this, into this topic? Oh, yeah. Football is a big thing in my life. Uh, I started playing since I was a, a little girl. I was, I, uh, my mom says I was three and a half years old when, uh, when they put me on a, uh, or signed me up for a football team. Um, so by the age of three and a half, I, uh, I play uh, every week, um, train every week um, until, uh, t- until two years ago. I, I stopped playing uh, or I paused uh, <laughs> with my playing career. Um, always play with, uh, with, with my friends um, uh, in a nice football team. Uh, I had lots of fun with them, but uh, that's also developed a great interest for the game of football. And I'm very happy and very pleased that I can still uh, work with football as well. 
Amazing. And I suppose, you know, when you experienced your own playing, um, did you notice anything around pitch sizes yourself when you were playing? Was there anything like that? I thought, oh, I found it yeah. different when you went to I'm just in, intrigued <laughs> how you've connected the, the two together. Um, now, maybe not not before I started my PhD and my research in small side games, but I think during uh, my PhD, um, I developed an interest in, in small side games and how the relation is with the actual match. And well, I, I, I played midfield and later I, I became a central defender. And I noticed a lot of games or training formats that we played as a central defender. You, well, most teams that, or most coaches, they start playing from the midline and then there's a buildup for the, for the offense. And the defenders, they're always positioned around the penalty box or maybe even, or, or in the penalty box. Whereas in the game, um, we always positioned as a defender, I will always position on the midline with a lot of space in, in my back. Um, and sometimes there was like a long ball or the goalkeeper had a kick. Um, so then the ball was flying behind me and I had to run. And I was like, and I thought, well, I never, I never do that in practice. The only experience that I have with those long balls, I have to chase my, 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 my attacker is, uh, or my striker is, is in the game. Why not also create that in training? Where in my training, I always am close to my goalkeeper. Um, I always, I already stand on my feet on the on the penalty box. So uh, that doesn't really relate to my performance and my behavior in the game. Yeah, that's a really interesting observation, and I think um, something we've spoken about <laughs> previously is around this intensity and how coaches try to. Um, structure training to get intensity up which in return often means you then go with smaller pitch sizes but then those areas and those spaces that the players are having to cover don't necessarily always relate to um, what they're going to be playing on at the weekend um, yeah it's, so- it's about uh, about a meaningful context uh, and, and 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 I think it's interesting what you say about uh, intensity um, I'm, I'm not really sure what you or what how well, it could be different for different coaches what's meant with intensity. But I think for many coaches, it means like quick actions, uh, fast decision making, a lot of like changes of direction, a lot of accelerations. I think that's how the game is being defined as being intense. Maybe uh, short passes, the ball is going back and forth uh, real quickly, click quickly. Whereas maybe in sports science terminology, you can also define intensity as in the number of high intensity runs or the the sprints, uh, the efforts of sprinting or uh, the number of accelerations and decelerations. If you look at intensity from that perspective, then that smaller game is not always that intense Mm. or with the same intensity as the match. That's fantastic. So I suppose great opportunity then to almost move into (laughs) your research then. So um, I know you've um, worked on a number of different papers and you've looked at um, small-sided games, but then also looked at some work around uh, the under-17s and under-19s uh, European Championships. I guess it'd be brilliant if you can um, go into some of the key things from your research um, that you've found um, and then maybe considering um, we've just spoken about the physical returns, but there may be some tactical and technical bits that that come out from it so yeah I'm, I'm intrigued then if um, I don't know if you can elaborate on a, on some bits that you've you've covered of course of course I'll try to keep it concise as well um <laughs> so um my study uh like uh, relates to uh, small-sided games and uh, small-sided games are defined as 
training formats that we derive from the official match with manipulations in, in number of players, the pit size and, and playing rules. And I previously I, I mentioned that I started my uh, my interest in small side games during my master's thesis, and the subject of that uh, thesis was um, that we uh, the the difference in, in age groups when they play the similar small side game. Um, so by that time we played a five v five game with um, uh, on a pitch of forty by thirty meters, a pretty regular and uh, common small sided game. But we played it with two different age groups. There was an under-17 team played that, that small side game and an under-19 team. And what we found was, and we measured their uh, their uh, their positions on the pitch, and we measured their, we, we call that tactical behavior or team tactical performance. We looked at the distances between players and the area of the team. And what we found from that first study was that um, older football players, so the under-19 team, um, had a uh, a wider dispersion on the pitch. So even though they played a similar game, there was a significant difference in how wide they play on the pitch. And <clears throat> excuse me. And that triggered our interest in um, in, in small side games and all different manipulations that you can apply to those games in order to see an effect in well the physical performance of players, but also the tactical performance of players. Um, so we developed that and we thought, we thought of, hey, how can we look for small-sided games that has like the best relation or the best representation of the match demands? So that was the start of my PhD study. Um, and um, in a PhD study, I, I looked at different pit sizes and different small-sided games that has happened in not only research, but also that, has, that are played by a lot of teams and coaches. And what I found was that but predominantly coaches and in research, they play on really small pitches. Like it's only up to five, six players on a very small pitch. And if you look at the, the values in sprints or high intensity distance and other values that you can collect during those uh, small metrics that you can collect during small side games, they, have, they are different than what, uh, we see, what we see happening in, in the match. Normally, you see a small number of sprints, um, uh, um, low like a, a, a less high intensity distance, um, and that might be related to the small number of players and the smaller pitch sizes. Mm -hmm. So, what we did in our in my PhD study was we um, uh, we took the, the 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 pitch dimension from the match. And we adapted that to a small-sided game with uh, where we could account for the number of players. And we call that the relative pitch area. That's you amazing. Want me to, yeah. yeah no, I was, so I think that, and that's, I think, an interesting, interesting premise. So I think, um, you know, for, for coaches, if you're, say you're working with, on a, on a particular theme, if you're working on pressing or you're working on building from the back or whatever your focus is and you're working at 11 v 11, um, obviously, sometimes you can look at the pitch geography. So we might look at the, the defensive third on that topic and then cordon off or constrain them to playing within a certain a certain area. Mm -hmm. but similarly, you can then do it within a small-sided game and then you can create constraints or set up the pitch to, to focus on those things. But typically what happens on the small-sided games is that to ensure that you get repetition of them practising that, you tend to go smaller because 
obviously the physical demands of the smaller games means that the players can get more and more folks around that. So I think that's having an understanding that actually if we do the smaller small-sided games, this is what the returns are going to be on smaller pitches. Similarly, if we're going to do small-sided games on bigger areas, this is what the returns are going to be as well on that. So you, leading on to then, you mentioned the RPA. So I, I don't know if you you can elaborate a little bit more on what that means. Um, it's something I've now got my head around <laughs> after looking into it a little bit more of late. But I don't know if you can just elaborate a little bit more about that, what that means and then how also how coaches can then use that when um, setting up their practices? Yeah, I think uh, the, the RPA or the relative pitch area, the, the, it needs a little bit more uh, explanation. Um, so the relative pitch area is a um, is how we can capture the individual playing area for each player. So it's a little bit of a mathematical trick um, where we use the total area of the pitch and we uh, divide that by the number of players on the pitch. So for instance, if you play uh, an 11 v 11 uh, match, you play that on 105 by 68 meters. Um, and if you divide that by the number of players on the pitch, 22, you get a relative pitch area of 325 square meters. That is the area that theoretically every player has um, during, the, uh, during the game, during the match. Um, of course, not all players are like evenly distributed on the pitch because we have the ball, we have uh, offsides, we have uh, we have a, um, our intention to either attack or defend. So we are always a little bit like, yeah, we are oriented around the ball. So we are already like a little bit clustered together. But it also creates a lot of space around our uh, our team that we can use to uh, to run into, to explore an offense, to uh, that we need to defend as well when we don't have the ball. And that same relative pitch area of the match, 325, if we compare that with the majority of small side games that are used by coaches, but also in science, then we see that a lot of those small side games are not played on a bigger area than 150 square meters. 150 square meters is less than half of the, the space that you have in the official match. Um, and as a consequence, um, um, players stand a lot closer to each other and they have less space to explore. But if you use that same 325 square meters um, in small-sided games, you allow players or you, you create an environment for players where they have like a similar, uh, similar spaces in the match. And that's what we did in my PhD study as well. We played those small-sided games, 5v5, 7v7, 9v9, on a relative pitch area with, as, with the same dimensions as the match. Yeah, and it was something we, we spoke about, Carl Axum, around in terms of the out-of-possession scanning. So making sure that if you're going to look at how you can support your defenders in scanning, that actually them playing on in the distances and the spaces that they relate to the game will allow them yeah. to get the relative opportunities to understand space, understand the decisions, understand the speed in which they're going to have to make decisions. And it's all relative to what they're playing on. Um, and I think you mentioned earlier about your own playing experiences and often having the, the space in behind, right? So that being quite a key principle, because, you know, when you're in possession of the ball, you're, that opportunity to play in behind is 
is can potentially be the most dangerous pass to play because it's going to allow you to progress up the field and get closer to the goal. Whereas if you're never um, exposing players to that, um, then there's obviously going to be certain returns to that. And sometimes you can become quite predictable in how you play and players actually then struggle with um, making those runs in behind and exploiting spaces behind, but also similarly defending those spaces too. So I've been on my calculator over the recent months, <laughs> been doing the, the width and length um, times together by the, divided by the number of players. And I think that's been really interesting for, for us and for the coaches at uh, the club I'm working with at the moment to have a better understanding of when I'm putting this practice together, if I've got six players and I'm working on a particular topic, um, having an understanding of actually, oh, that's only a 70 metre squared uh, per player area. Well, I know I'm going to get this from it from this practice whereas if I actually make the pitch slightly bigger then it's going to provide this so just having an understanding of that I think is um is a really interesting thing for for coaches I suppose um leading on to that then um what do you tend to find then and you you've you mentioned it briefly but what do you tend to find when you go on to um super big pitches then um, what what tends to be the sort of the technical returns for that? You've mentioned the physical side and the tactical side, but what do you tend to find technically as well for for players and similarly on the smaller smaller pitches too? Yeah, um, well, it's an interesting reflection on the on the small side games and the pitch sizes from your end. Um, so from the technical side, um, you can see the type of small side games that we that we discuss right now they are played in a meaningful context. So instead of a very small pitch where players are like two, three meters apart from each other, um, in a small sized game, they, they stand like 10, 15 meters away from each other, just like they do in a match. So suddenly that pass of two or three meters in a like small pitch size becomes 10, 15 meters, which has a different technical return if you want to express it like that. So it, the, all your technical actions are being uh, played in a meaningful context, uh, the same context as that you can see in the match. And the same is not only for the players on the ball, but also the players who are not on the ball, uh, either from the, out of, like the defending team or the, the attacking team. So suddenly, um, uh, let's say you're a defender and you try, to the, you try to defend me and we are playing on a very small pitch and because it's a very small pitch, we stand really close to each other. So it's really easy to defend me. It's really easy to intercept me or to get into a tackle or a duel. Um, but if we play on a, on a bigger pitch, you suddenly need to wear, be aware where I am, but also where your teammates are. Where's the rest of your defense? So suddenly you need to work together with your other defenders in order to stop me from approaching your goal. Um, so all your actions, also from a defending point of view become much more meaningful you can't just get into that tackle or get into that duel because otherwise you lose your position and maybe you open up space from one of my team members so all your technical actions either on the ball but also off the ball um, being a defender become much more meaningful when you play in a bigger in a, in a bigger area fantastic and I think um for me then it's how do then coaches then use this right so I mean I can use it for my my sessional side um but would you encourage coaches almost to look at this as a, a seasonal thing so you periodize when you're playing on different pitch sizes would you do it 
um, in big blocks of work of like seven, eight weeks together, or would you do it, change it each week? What would, what would you say is the best approach to doing this or is there a best approach? <laughs> I think that's a, that's a very interesting question and probably a lot of people have an opinion about it, but I think the true story is that we don't really know yet how that's, how the relation is from uh, from the training pitch to uh, to the match, how how that learning works. I think that's that's a great question for me also to explore in the next couple of years. How do we learn? How does that transfer work from the training pitch to uh, to the football match? But um, what I can say about this is that uh, the small side game that we that we use a lot on that bigger bigger area is. I think a nice addition to the regular training program. It's not replacing any other smaller pitch size. It's just in addition to what you're already doing. And by doing that, you create a lot of variability in, uh, in your training program and variety for your players. And I think that is where, what football is all about. Sometimes you have bouts in also in the match where you're very, where you all stand like really close to each other and you, um, and, and, and then suddenly the, the game opens up and you play uh, on a much wider area of your, of your pitch. So, and I think that this is what th this kind of extra or addition in the small side game program affords uh, uh, the, the coach as well. So you can use it on many occasions in your training program, whether you use it in blocks where you focus on maybe your defending principles or your offending principles or use it as on your uh, game day uh, minus two and minus three as, a, as that physical stimulus because it, it creates a, a similar physical uh, intensity as the match. Or you might want to play, you play like the day before your match where you want to do like more like a walkthrough training and more a tactical side and you create awareness of your players, how they will position themselves just like what they do in a match. So there are many applications. Um, yeah. And I think it's all like for the coach to decide, hey, what do I want to do? What do I want to achieve today or in my training block? And which small side game can help me with this? And perhaps look also a little bit on the, on the bigger pitch, bigger area, because it creates a lot of opportunities. And um, so the there's some research out there where they look at, hey, how much? What if yeah, we use a different I, I ratio speak, in you know, length just and width about, of well, the pitch? By and how doing this actually allows you to see players, players in different ways. So you see that if you're by every change you make in the pitch size, but also in the really fantastic um, maximum speed and can run really uh, fast. Actually, so if they're always being trained in to smaller like areas, wider. of course, that might help them with the typical area, help them with their specific turning, help them with their excels, and excels. Sometimes you're not allowing them to flourish and really show their true potential by... Yeah, there's, there's a lot of on those bigger spaces. To, so, to, and the keyword you mentioned was variety. I think every the more variety change you can pitch size, incorporate into your program, the more lenses that you can see your Maybe players your at. So then you can start so thinking about side to side oh, this of, individual, what, uh, what are the their needs and how can I adjust um, pitch size to change the outcomes of what your players do. And it's up to the coach, I think, to decide, hey, is this the outcome that I want to I know you mentioned other sports at the beginning. Will I see a transfer of this? But this just in terms of pitch shapes, so obviously you've got the standardised rectangle um, pitch, and this is, but is this something I don't know that I from focus experiences when you've yeah, looked you at other sports, pitch ratios, also so looked at other pitch um, shapes, how they can be used, I've come across um, zero to challenge players to roughly for on this or for any games or for all pitch sizes generally, so I don't know if you can just elaborate a little bit more on the pitch ratio, so 
Um, so, for example, I'm working on a, a crossing and finishing practice with my with my players. I might tend to go for a narrower but wider pitch. So, obviously, that's going to mean they're going to use the wide areas more and potentially get more crosses in, uh, in in the session. But what that then does, it skews the pitch. So, it actually doesn't end up being proportionate to the area size that they're they're playing on. But in terms of pre pitch ratio, then, so if I'm playing around with my pitch sizes, but I want to keep it proportionate to what they would normally play or purposely disproportionate to what they normally play. What 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 yeah. would be the way of me working that out? Um, oh, that's a difficult question. <laughs> that's a difficult question. Um, that's, um, oh, how can I best address this? That's, uh, of course, you want to create some some specific, and that's what a coach tries to do, uh, obviously. You you try to work on a certain aspect of, of, of the game, and in this case, a crossing. And in and, and that case, you, um, you, you might want to um, uh, manipulate your pitch in such a way that you create more crossings, but at the same time, you... Uh, you are aware that other performance outcomes will be affected as well. So by creating a wider pitch than, than, than normal, your, your players will position themselves a little bit different than what they normally would do. Um, but at that, at that point, you achieve your goal in, in creating more crossings. But probably you will ignore other outcomes that are regular for uh, maybe your defenders or your offenders as well. Yeah, fantastic. Uh, last thing for me, Sigrid, really, then. So if I'm a, a coach at any level, then, really, what, what would be your tips um, moving forwards for coaches if they're looking at pitch size and how they can then help support their players? Is there any sort of key key take-home messages um, from you? I've already made a note of, uh, of a few. So um, I know why, where I'm going next when I'm out on, on the pitch with my players. But, yeah, is there anything that you, you think coaches can really take away from, from this? Yeah, um, so what is important is that you create, like I, I mentioned that a couple of times, create a meaningful context. Uh, a meaningful context is that we play football and we play normally 11 v 11 uh, with, uh, with two teams uh, trying to, to score a goal. And I think in your small sky games and in your training formats, to, to keep it uh, meaningful, Keep, uh, stay as close as possible to uh, to that uh, concept as well. Of course, and, and there are many ways where you can uh, create other environments with uh, diff and, and different training formats. So you can play very small, where you focus on a quick game, quick decision make, quick actions, a lot of uh, um, uh, um, uh, a lot of actions. But at the same time, you also you need to know, you need to uh, be aware that that also creates a lot of transitions and lots of ball possessions, um, uh, lots of like different technical outcomes as well. Um, whereas you move to more bigger pictures, you create maybe a more meaningful outcome, but you also might be aware that maybe not all players um, um, are, um, are uh, able to uh, uh, to work together in, in, in that context as well. So you really need to help your players to understand what is being expected from those games as well. Brilliant. And to finish then, Sigrid, if anyone wants to look into any of your research, where can they access the, their papers? Is it just a case of typing your, your name online and, and all the work comes up? What, what would be the best way of them doing that if they wanted to look into it a little bit more further from an academic perspective? I'm pretty active on, on Twitter and LinkedIn, so I'm happy to connect uh, on those platforms as well. 
Um, my uh, papers are also uh, can also be found on, on ResearchGate, uh, which is an academic platform. Uh, and if uh, uh, people have any questions, I'm, I'm happy to answer them by email as well. Fantastic. Sigrid, really appreciate you giving up your time. And um, I probably haven't shared this with you, but you've really influenced um, the way I'm working as a coach um, over the past few months. And it's a it's been an exciting time for me, really, to kind of challenge myself and just look at the observations that uh, or draw upon the observations that I've found. Actually, by doing this, it means this for my players. And um, it's really helping me to inform me of making sure that I give my players as much variety as possible. But similarly, I know that I can challenge my players just by simply changing the, the pitch size, which I know sounds really simple and probably really obvious, but um, I think it's just helped me to have a better understanding of how to do that. Um, and I th hopefully moving forwards, um, as more and more research is, is developed, there'll be more that that can bring out. Um, so, you know, not that there's ever an optimal way of working with players because nobody knows, but just then a more informed approach than when you're when you're creating practices and working on games. So, yeah, I really appreciate you giving up your your time and, and for your ongoing work with this. And um, yeah, I would encourage anyone to reach out to Sigrid if they um, want to speak further into it. Because you know, since I've done that, it's been it's been great for me. So, thank you. Thank you, Ross, and thank you for the invite. Oh.